I gotta figure out how to scream, scream this live. The no, polit- the no politics election special. That actually would probably be huge because we would like would be the only non political option on that night, and everyone mm-hmm. hates politics, which is like seventy percent of our country would be like. I'll listen to these morons talk about Minnesota versus Rutgers. Far more important, chopping wood, <laughs> rowing boats, and chopping wood. That's a good way chopping to start wood the show. Chopping wood, so that you can row boats. The Big Ten is a self-sustaining environment. You chop the wood, you create a canoe, you row the boat, you uh, go to the mistake on the lake. A lot of animals that you'll see upon yeah, you, arriving. There's, there's multiple the shores pelts, of the lake. Multiple pelts you can collect on your journey on the boat. Illini, you know, a whole bunch of <laughs> Hoosiers. And then, but yeah, well, at the end of the trip, you get so lazy, you just nick- nickname your team the same name as the state. Yep. <laughs> you just give up. Looking at you, Illinois. Looking at you. Ill- How is Illinois not good? Well, Lovey Smith. How would Ron- yeah, but they were, they were never good, though. I mean, it precedes him. You can't blame it all on Lovey. Juice Williams had a good year and a half. Yeah, well... uh who was it? It was Rice and Simeon, 95? That's right. Uh, no. Simeon Rice is one dude. And then who was the other guy? We usually it? talk about this once a year on the podcast. We can't remember. Hardy. Kevin uh, Hardy? was philosophizing down the field. I remember that. Hardy. Hardy and Rice. There Hardy and Rice. Yeah. We've had the same conversation every year since 2012. You should go back and like listen to all the episodes just to find it and do a super mashup. There's no chance I would put in that much effort, but it would be good if you did Who was it. that other guy on Illinois? You know what? Was that Hardy? <laughs> was that? I don't know. If there was a God, such thing as wow. like control F for audio, then we could make some of the best super cuts of all time. <laughs> or if we, had we, an, if we just like had an Obama. intern, we need to take the points intern. Uh, go back since 2011 and find all the times I mentioned Simeon Rice. Be like, yes, sir. I'll get those three credits. I'll see you in a couple weeks after you listen to all those episodes. That's your that's your capstone project right there. It's the King Hackman theory of take the points that <laughs> the every Rice Hardy season, there's theorem. at least one there's at least one Simeon Rice. Kevin Hardy reference. Yeah, I keep wanting to say Greg Hardy. It's definitely not Greg Hardy. No. But I think it might be Kevin Harvin. Isn't he a racer or race car driver? I'm, I'm That's confused. something else too. Yeah. Well, I think it's Kevin Hardy. I will have I will well, look we'll find this out up. next year on Take the Ports. Listen. Well, next year we'll look into it. My my next job as a documentarian for the Big Ten channel, I'm gonna need to know this. So I'll do some research. I've decided though that this is what I want to do with my life. You know, I already do videos and podcast production, not not this two-bit production we have, but real stuff. And my dream job now is if I can be one of the people who makes like uh the Scott Frost story. They pick weird people to do. They'll they'll have like, you know Eric Crouch. Yeah, and they wouldn't do Frost or Tommy Frazier. They do Eric Crouch or like the Adrian Martinez story. Oh my god. Year seven, the colon, the Adrian Martinez story premiering this Thursday at 4 a.m. on the Big Ten channel directed by Tom Zelesnock, host of Take the Points. I will will make them mention Take the Points in all my credits.
Welcome to Started. Take the Points, week nine. Are we in week nine? I'm going to say week nine. This will be another super cut we could do of me never knowing what week <laughs> it is. It's week two of the Big Ten, and that's what matters. Uh, I'm Tom. I'm here via Zoom with, uh, I almost said via Skype, just out old times sake, via Zoom with Dan and Ryan in bitter cold Phoenix, Arizona. It's a chilly 65 degrees. Fellas, how's it going out there? Shivering, Tom, shivering. It's rough. Very uh, cold, Tom. Before I go on a 30-minute rant about uh, Mike Penix Jr., would you guys like to uh, get a word in? Sure, Tom. I'll do the quick um, lightning round recap of last week. Syracuse covered the spread against Clemson. Alabama blew out Tennessee but lost Waddle for the year. Um, that's a huge loss. That, that might hold them back from winning the, the national title. We'll talk about that later. Um, TCZ's Pitt Panthers got woodshedded by Notre Dame. Oh, it was Ohio brutal. State punched in a garbage time touchdown with two seconds left to cover the spread and hit the over for everyone. And uh, Penn State played a wild, wacky game where they lost on a two-point conversion. So I guess we'll start there, and we'll kick it right back to you, Tom. Try to contain yourself and limit yourself to just 18 minutes on Indiana-Penn State. Go right ahead. That's perfect because I have uh, six bullet points. You know, I I started out like Woodrow Wilson writing my 14-point plan, but I've cut it down to six. I wrote this – as soon as I regain my composure after the end of the game. So probably like 10 PM Saturday. So uh, I haven't looked at it since I just pulled it up on my email. So you're going to get my fresh thoughts. I'll try not to, um, uh, I'll try to just read it close to how it is. Although it's completely not really in English. It's just like stream of consciousness, Jack Kerouac thoughts, bullet point. Number one, uh, Indiana is a good team this year. I know that historically they've been horrible, but when I see, Everybody's saying like a shock, a stunning upset. I'm like, no, Indiana's good. And Penn State's a little bit overrated to begin the season at eight. And so it's really not that shocking, although nobody else really got upset big. So, you know, that's the big one of the week. But um, got to give some respect to Indiana for actually being a good team. Uh, number two, I know James Franklin mentioned this and I want to reiterate it. And I say this every week about some game, but. Um, you cannot blame the outcome of a game on one specific individual play. Um, so here's what I wrote down. I'll go through the the progression. So Devin Ford scores a TD instead of taking a knee on the one, which would have iced the game. That was the beginning of the end there. But it, uh, also Penn State gives up a 90 yard drive with penalties, bad coverage. Uh, they had gotten two straight sacks on the previous drive and forced a, a three and out or a four and out. Um, the last drive, they got no pressure on the QB. So there's that the play calling sucked. Um, the coaching was really awful at the end of the game from Penn state, uh, Indiana made two incredible catches that really they shouldn't have made. Um, the two point conversion and regulation should have been stuffed. Penn state really collapsed the pocket and I don't know how Penix got out and there was just shoddy tackling. Um, the Penn state defense in overtime after, um, they scored the touchdown. Their defense didn't really respond with any fire. They looked soft and unmotivated. And then um, again, on the final two point conversion, you know, they did a little bit better job of focus, focusing on Penix, but they still gave them a little too much field to run with. Like 
you know a team like that, you know Penix is going to get the ball in his hands to make the play on the final most important play. I mean, one thing that drives me crazy as a fan is when there's, especially on two-point conversions or big plays or end of the game, when every fan in the stadium and watching on TV knows who's getting the ball and what's going to happen and the defense doesn't seem to understand, uh, it really makes you question. Um, but the point of that, which all of that was one bullet point, by the way, the, the point of that is like, you can't blame it all on one play. Um, that being said, bullet point three, that fucking ball was not in the end zone. That bounced out of bounds and then hit the front of the pylon, not the side of the pylon, not the back of the pylon. That hit the front of the pylon. There's no possible way. I've been breaking this shit down like the Zapruder film, and there's no way the ball bounces out of bounds, hits the front of the pylon, and is somehow in the process, the tip of the ball is over the goal line. Um, this is going to be like, you know, Ryan and I are huge Bills fans. And after the Music City forward lateral, um, we would always be like, that's no, that's a forward lateral. And we all kind of knew it in our heart, but then like scientists would go and study it and be like, because of the angle and the rotation on the ball, we've proven that it must've been forward. And I feel like some like Penn state engineering student is going to do some kind of um, like test on this and prove definitively that it wasn't in. And that's going to come like two years from now when it's obviously way too late. Do you want to add anything about the uh, forward lateral Ryan? No, no. All right. I'll keep rolling. Um, it, my, my brother says it perfectly. The refs are never wrong. Well, if they make a call on the field, they're never going to overturn it unless it's a non-critical moment. So we need to, um, we need um, innocent bystanders. We need to send those types of calls to the Charlotte office or something where the refs who made the call on the field, you know, much like a court case, they need to recuse themselves in this big moment. And so I'd like to see a rules change uh, in relation to that. Bullet point four, I'd also like to see a rules change in relation to this type of touchdown where the ball crosses by a hair, um, like a literal hair, and then the guy just immediately fumbles the ball out of bounds. Um, not just for this specific play, but just in general. Think of all the crazy rules for receivers to make a catch and the possession they have to have and like they have to tuck it away. They can't drop it when they hit the ball. The nose of the ball can't be sticking out and hit the ground. And then when it comes to scoring a touchdown, you cross by one millimeter and the play's dead. And then the guys immediately fumble the ball. I, I would like to see a stricter um, requirement for possession after touchdowns. Bullet point five, this season is fucked up and we shouldn't forget it. Penn State in a normal year would have had Micah Parsons playing. There's no way he would have allowed that TD. In a normal year, they would have played Kent State week one, and they would have gotten all these bad kinks out, all these penalties, all this bad coaching, and they would have been, you know, 5-0 and when they faced Indiana, and this would have been a way different team, probably on both sides. But, yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, this Penn State team now is 0-1, a game that um, they should be playing Ohio State in a marquee game, and, and really COVID is responsible for uh, – this situation along with so many others. And then number six was, which is a short bullet. Again, I want to credit Indiana cause they played awesome and they're, they're looking really good. Uh, Mike Penix juniors, my God, he's good. And when, if you saw 
if you saw, I'm sure you did not see Northwestern beat Maryland, but uh, Peyton Ramsey, who was Indiana's backup last year, he transferred to Northwestern and they won by like 45 points. So he looked great as well. So Indiana is like the new Purdue or Ohio state where they're like now a feeder system for great QBs across the country. Where was I? Oh yeah. So, so this was, we were talking earlier about like rare occasions, the Syracuse rare letdown game after a 26 point loss. This is one of the most rare occasions. Also Um, a team that in, in Indiana that deserved to win and did win and yet still should have lost somehow. And Penn State, a team that did lose and deserved to lose, and yet should have won. So I don't think we'll see that too often. Anything you'd like to well, add? Tom. No, Tom. That was a lot of information. Thank you for the There was succinct. more. There was so much. That is the succinct version. I'll tell you some. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to add a little bit for you here, Tom. I got some uh, some unfortunate news about this Penn state team. I don't think they're that good. And I was going to save that part. I was going to save that for the Ohio state prediction, but yes. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll just, I'll save mine for that too. But like you said, I think losing obviously Micah and their running back. I mean, it's just too much. They look very average. They look like a average big time running backs. Um, Noah Kane went out in the first quarter and he's really good too. They had four running backs um, who split time last year, but two of them were much better than the other two. And uh, those two were now out. Yeah. It's just a tough situation. So enjoy the year, but um, it's going to be a rough Saturday. I I also think this is a curse from TCZ. You know, he's a, um, a Panthers fan now. And unfortunately he's putting the hex on you. And you're gonna have to live with it. What year did Bino pass away? <laughs> I don't know why. It wasn't last year, was it? <laughs> because the ghost of he's inherited because Bino's reincarnated in your son. Well, it's the Bino curse, but it's just it's a little behind the times, like Bino himself. Hmm. I don't know. I'll find that out, Tom. But all um, right. Anyway, I'm, I'm pretty I, sure it wasn't last year. But uh, anyway, um, I'm gonna unless you guys want to add anything else, I say let's get into the lines and uh, let's get some of your guys thoughts about other teams around the country. You know, I've got a million more thoughts about other big 10 teams, but I'm sure the listeners would like to hear about something else, something south of the Mason Dixon, perhaps. I'm ready to do some lines. All right. Uh, I don't know if you were going to do the lines, Dan, but I would like the honor of doing the first one because I want to get your reaction. Um, and then you Go can, right t- you can take it from there. So we have a Thursday night game, Thursday, October 29th, and you don't have to pick this, but, uh, I know you got something to say, Dan, there's a lot of dudes who were very disappointed that Steve Adazio didn't get to play a game because of after your amazing breakdown and pick last week, it was like within 24 hours, the game was canceled. Well, we've got a shot at redemption, Dan, on Thursday night. Cause CSU goes to Fresno and they are a two point favorite with an over under of 58. I see that Tom. Um, thank you for that intro. Uh, yeah, Steve Adazio, he's the coach of Colorado state for those who don't know. And unless something drastic has changed, he can't coach a lick. So 
you're going to want to wager as much as you can on Fresno State. I would just put on the money line plus 110. I don't know about a total or anything else, but um, he should find a way to have a lead in the first half, but mangle it away in the second half, only to lose in a horrific manner. So Thursday night, late game, Fresno State, solid pick to start your week. Dan, have we ever bet a first half line with one team and a game line with the opposite team before? I don't think I've ever done it. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I can't remember specific examples. Not, probably, not in-game betting, like before the game started. Probably no, uh, but this would be a good example of this. I expect uh, Dazio to have a nice lead and then get confused and then get more confused and then just fuck it up and leave California back and go back to Colorado State. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set – I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna break <laughs> some ground here. Colorado State money line first half Fresno money line game. Love it. You might get good odds. Hold on. There might be a wager on that, like first half, second half, where you oh, get odds. Oh, what if we, even if we parlay it? Not up yet, right now. Yeah, I'm going to look into this as the week goes on. Um, I'll text you Thursday morning to see what we can do. All right, Dan, I turn it over to you now. All right, Tom, thanks for that. Oh, I know. I was really disappointed that there was no Adazio last week. So Rocky was I. Long was going to beat his ass outright, getting 16 and a half. Oh, all right. Well, if that's the Thursday game, uh, we're going to go. We're going to go on to Friday and, and 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 have one for you, Tom, real quick. Minnesota at Maryland, Friday night football. Maryland catching a 20 spot at home. Go ahead, Tom. Who's got the better M? Logo. That's what I'm looking at right now. I'm going to go to Maryland on that one. Um, that'll be the only advantage I give them. Um, Minnesota, despite getting beat pretty handily by Michigan, didn't look terrible. Their run defense was awful, but the rest of their game was okay. I mean, there's reason to believe they should be able to move the ball efficiently and score easily on Maryland. Uh, meanwhile, Maryland got absolutely shellacked by Northwestern. Um, Peyton Ramsey look like the next, you know, Joe Burrow or whatever. So I expect since it's week two in the big 10, that a lot of these teams will kind of come back to the mean and that um, maybe there'll be a little bit of lopsidedness to some of the week one games, but uh, not in this specific instant. Um, Poor little Tua doesn't seem like he's going to turn that franchise around right now. Um, not so much. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, all, all signs point to Minnesota bounce back game. We'll take your word for it, Tom. They Ryan, still, they still got the weapons. All right. Well, here's one that Ryan's got some feelings on. Also Friday night, nine forty-five Eastern Hawaii at Wyoming rainbow warriors lane two. Total 55 and a half. Ryan, did you see Mr. Cordero's performance last week? Did you see him light it up on the road in Hawaii, woodshed their opponent as a pick'em? Impressive on the mainland. Back to the mainland again. Contra- con- contrasting schools of thought here. Hawaii first, Josh Allen's alma mater. You're going to have to make a decision. Go right ahead. <coughs> This should be a very easy decision to take Hawaii here. But here's the thing. How many of these players from Hawaii 
have seen snow because they're going to see it in Wyoming. And if they didn't play at Wyoming last season, which they didn't, then some of these guys that are like freshmen and sophomores have never seen snow in their lives. So that's going to be a little bit of a shock to them. Uh, I know this firsthand growing up in a place that had more snow than any place in the country and moving to Arizona and coaching. I was in Colorado uh, at Boulder campus while it started snowing mid game. And I had players on the team being like, coach, this is my first time seeing snow. And it kind of blew my mind. Uh, so that's like a very, very real thing. You know, California and, and Arizona kids, Nevada kids, they've never seen it. And playing in it's really different. So it's going to be tough. I'm going to still stay with Hawaii, but I don't think it's going to be a woodshed. I think Vegas knows they, this should be a seven-point spread, but it's only two. So take the two. This will be at least a three-point game. I like Hawaii. Z, Rainbow Warriors. I, I always go Hawaii. Okay. Next game, we're on to Saturday. Spooky Halloween Saturday for college football. It's going to be a fun day Saturday. You're going to have a little trick-or-treating, a little college football, a little uh, COVID scares. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lovely Saturday for everybody. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Boston College, it's going to be scary for them when they travel to Death Valley. Woo, take on Clemson. Clemson minus 31 and a half. Um, Mr. Sweeney, not so happy with the media after the Syracuse game, uh, getting accused for playing poorly and winning by 26. I would recommend laying the 31 and a half in this spot. And the team total on Clemson's 45 and a half. Hey, yeah, just go ahead and bet the over. I don't know if ETN's playing. I don't think it matters. Trev's not throwing another pick six. You can mark that down. And this should be about 49 nothing and a half. Yeah, this is this is called the Urban Meyer game. So, like, every year Ohio State would, like, go to Iowa as, like, a 17-point favorite on the road and win by nine. And they're like, listen, nine-point win at Iowa is freaking good. That's a commendable win. And they're like, no, no, no. Not good enough. And then he goes home the next week and plays like Michigan State and beats them 65 and three because <laughs> they scored 21 points in the last seven minutes. Yep. Uh, this is exactly that spot. Clemson is going to murder them. Yeah. Last week we said, you know, oh, take the first half money line with Clemson because, or not the money line, lay the first half spread because they're going to blow them out and put in backups. Well, that didn't happen. They're going to blow them out and keep the starters in. Trev's playing into the early fourth in this game, and they're going to have at least a 50-point Yeah. Oh, that's – yeah. Well said, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, this this could be a hook game. Minus 31 and over 60 and a half sounds pretty good. Although I see, I do see a scenario where it's like 58 nothing. So I think I like yeah. the I like the thirty one. I think I even like a first half line again. Syracuse weirdly has Clemson's number, which is weird to say since they've only beat them once in like five years. But they just match up really well. I mean, it's a lot like Indiana Penn State. They just always play them better than they should on paper. So um, BC doesn't have their number. Clemson over forty five and a half team total. I would highly recommend that one. That's a good bet. Um, 
Coastal Carolina, number 20, Coastal Carolina. At Georgia State, Coastal Carolina laying three, total 61 and a half. This is a little bit more interesting than you think. Ryan, take it away. Thanks, Dan. <clears throat> All right, so here's the thing. Saturday morning, I was uh, up early and driving over to the driving range to get some work in, listening to ESPN Radio with our boy Mel Kuyper. And Mel was talking about <clears throat> prospects on college teams to watch in the early morning slate. And he brought up Coastal Carolina. And I was like, wait a second. Why are they ranked? What's up with them? And he said he currently has six draft eligible players uh, on Coastal Carolina, six guys on their team that he thinks are going to get drafted this year. And he said that's not counting their red shirt freshman quarterback who he said once he's eligible will absolutely be a first-round pick. <clears throat> so that was really kind of uh, eye-opening for me. I'm going to dig a little deeper into Coastal Carolina, but if they have true NFL talent like Mel saying, and they're only laying, uh, only laying three on the road, I like them in this spot a lot. I'm going to go with the, uh, the team that has NFL talent. I don't, uh, I don't know anything about Georgia State this year, but – I actually did watch almost a full Coastal Carolina game. It was one of the first couple weeks before the SEC was playing, and it was like the only thing on at 9 o'clock at night. And they looked really good. I mean, you mentioned their quarterback. I mean, he looks like a a future superstar, at least in that one game that I saw. Um, He really has some talent. And if he's not even one of the six that Kuiper was talking about, then, yeah, they're, they're looking good. I mean, you don't make it ranked to number 21 and you don't make it to five and O and four and one against the spread without being good. It doesn't matter what league you're in or who you are. So uh, they're a good team. And until proven otherwise, I mean, I think you take them, especially with a three point line. Definitely. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, moving on. We got Georgia. In Kentucky in the SEC, Georgia minus 15 on the road. Total in NFL, 43 and a half. This is interesting. Um, Georgia should take care of business, you know, if they play to their potential. But Kentucky's got a really, really, really good D. And this could be a weird game where they score on defense for special teams. They have one weird drive and a couple field goals, so. This is a, a complete stay away for me, and that total is so low that I, I just don't want to bet an under either. So for me, it's a stay away, but a really fun game to watch. An early start, ooh, hate laying points that early over two touchdowns. Anyway, that's just me. Ryan? I think this is Vegas is, is right on this thing. I think something like uh, 24-13 sounds about right. So – 2310, something like that. So uh, an under for me, probably if I had to pick a side, but uh, I think this game might be a little closer than uh, than people think. The uh, half point over a touchdown are my least favorite lines to bet seven and a half, 14 and a half, et cetera. I hate betting all those. Um, I don't have a pick here, but I have a question for you guys that I've been thinking about the last couple days. What do you think home field advantage is really worth this year? with uh, no fans or fewer fans? I think it depends on the stadium. I think it's, I think in college football more than any other sport, I think that the stadium is absolutely like 
dependent on the home field. I think certain stadiums are a hundred percent touchdown and I think some stadiums are zero. And so, you know, it's interesting, but I don't know if it's universal across the board uh, like it usually used to be. I, I mean, I think college football home field in a normal year is the biggest home field advantage in any sport. So yeah. to have no fans, I mean, I think about, you know, the Penn state Ohio state game, which we'll talk about later, but that would be a whiteout game and that would be worth probably seven to 10 points in a normal year. And, um, this year I feel like you can take that right off the board. And I kind of, I wonder about this game as well. I don't know what kind of capacity they'll have, but a normal year advantage for Kentucky here is sort of, um, lost. I feel like. It's Kentucky. Mitch McConnell will have that stadium freaking packed. Don't worry about it. Georgia is, uh, needless to say, a better team at home than on the road. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm scared of that line. I'll stay away. Um, okay, moving on. We have Memphis traveling to Cincinnati. Cincy laying seven, total of 55. Very nice, impressive win by Cincinnati last week at SMU, taking care of business. That defense looked real. They shut down Shane Bouchelle, and um, I was wrong on that game. I will uh, admit that for sure. Um, that was the first time I saw Cincinnati this year, and they looked good. Um, that being said, hate to lay seven against Memphis, who can score some points. And I just have no idea. I'm going to kick this to Ryan, who's more of a Memphis Cincinnati expert. Yeah, this is, first of all, hats off. Since he beat the pants off of SMU, I watched that game, and that was that was a thorough beatdown. You know, and uh, they really impressed me. And I don't know if I can – I really don't think I can play Memphis in this spot. I think since his defense is – Super aggressive. They go after the ball. And I think Brady White has a tendency to get rattled and try to force some passes, especially if they get down a little bit. He gets a little hero ballish for me. Um, they don't have quite as many athletes as they used to have. <clears throat> so those easy little screens and dump offs that he could do aren't quite as effective uh, this year. So I think for me, this is this is definitely a Cincinnati play. I hate to do it, but I think it's the right play. Yeah, I'm I'm a little torn on this. I, I think it's going to be pretty close or closer than last week for sure, but I don't know how you could go against Cincinnati and the powerful Luke Fickle defense right now. So, I mean, we're we're talking about Penn State. Since he's better team than Penn State right now, they're a better team than I mean, who's, you know, who's ranked say 10 through 15 right now. I feel like Cincinnati's got to be a top 10 team in the country right now. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're seventh. So that's yeah, yeah. And, right. and it's not one of those fluke things where, like, it's early in the season. Like, I feel like they are actually legitimately in that arena. So this might be a throwback to uh, was it like 2010 when since he went undefeated and there was like five undefeated teams. Maybe we'll get a weird year like that. Sure. All right, Tom. Going back to your conference, Michigan State, Mel Tucker. Getting 25 points on the road against Michigan, total of 54 and a half. Um, you go ahead and then I'll have some thoughts. Well, I was going to kick it to you. 
It's easy oh, for sure. me. I, I sometimes I have a little too much information, or I you know I think too much about the Big Ten. I just want to get your impressions as you know less of a Big Ten fan. When you sure. checked the bottom line or the ESPN app and you saw Rutgers leading Michigan State by 15 points, yep. give me your first impression. There is no impression. It just is that you know that Michigan State is at rock bottom. They've had scandals off the field. They're, that program has fallen apart so hard over the past three years, and that loss to, to – Rutgers will be part of their downfall, and this 50-point loss coming this Saturday will be part of the next one, too, to lose in state. Michigan's offense, I was reading uh, from the second half of the year on last year, was actually rated pretty highly. They look great against Minnesota. Michigan State lost to Rutgers, and they were chopping wood, and they got fucked over, and now they're going to get blown out by Michigan. That wasn't a look ahead. That wasn't a first game of the season jitters. That's Rutgers. If you don't smash them by 21 points, you're, you're, you can't play football. Michigan's going to kill them. Harbaugh's an asshole. We all know this. Lay it. Yeah. The only thing that gives me hesitation is like the name alone, the, the Michigan State, Michigan pseudo rivalry there. Um, if, you, if you separate that, if you just pretend they're you know Montana State or whatever, but they have the same coaching staff, the same players, same talent level, this is, like you said, a 50-point win. Um, you guys laughed at me when I used to make my joke, like Michigan going to be a four-loss playoff team. <laughs> but that Michigan team got significantly better at the end of last year because they just pounded the ball on everyone. They have now, they had, I think, three running backs. Now they have four who can just destroy people. And they just um, they just keep pushing people around. They keep handing it off to... Um, you know, Charbonnet is my favorite, but my God, I mean, Evans was great. Like all those guys were good and, um, they're really good this year. Watch out folks. We got a, uh, Michigan, Ohio state collision course coming. Yeah, we do. It's going to be a good game. This is not going to be a good game. Wake forest minus 11 at Syracuse total of 59. Um, that down game. This is the rare letdown game off of a loss by 26. Everybody in Syracuse, the people of Syracuse feel good. The team feels good. Coach feels good. Feels like they won, even though they lost by four touchdowns. Um, This is a classic letdown spot coming home off the loss. And um, we've all agreed that they will not show up for this game and Wake Forest will pound them by 21 points. Yeah, it's going to snow this week in upstate, so they're just going to go back to hibernation mode. It's over. Get ready for basketball season. Yeah, I was just going to say, when's Midnight Madness? That's when it ends every year. <laughs> On the 31st, I believe. We're like, are you at here? You're right. It's like, it's right around now. Like, anyway. It might be this Saturday. So they might literally they might literally lose to Wake Forest by like 35, <laughs> and then Bayheim's like, we're not waiting till midnight. Get out there. The city needs you. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on. Central Florida at Houston. This is a great game. Central Florida minus three total 79. Oof. Ryan hit it over. Yeah. No hesitation. Right. These teams are not playing any defense. <laughs> 
Both teams just love to run and gun. This is absolutely going over. This is going over 99, not just 79. That's right, folks. We got ourselves a 63, no, 65-58 game. Here we go. Is there a prop bet you can do to increase a 20-point addition to the over? Yes, that'll pop up um, uh, eventually, and I will um, let you know what the highest one they have available is. It'll be like it'll be about ten points over the total. It'll be like eighty nine and a half. Will be like plus two seventy five. No, not enough. I'm looking for I'm looking for ninety nine and a half at like no. plus six hundred. No, well, it would be more than that. It'd be like twenty five to one, and it's not out there. But I can get you. 89 and a half at like three to one, which is pretty good. It's fine. I'll take it. Okay. Um, I also like the over in that game. Uh, it's not fun betting any of these unders this year with no fans. I feel like the overs are just rolling in. Okay. Keep going for a little while. We're going to go down to Wisconsin and Nebraska. Wisconsin's laying seven, 49 and a half. Wisconsin looked good last week. Nebraska had a good first half and then got woodshedded. Uh, I guess there's some COVID concerns with Wisconsin's quarterback, so hard to know what's going on with that. That being said, it's seven. Who should take this one? Hmm. Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go with Tom on this one. Uh, the COVID concern you mentioned is that he tested positive for COVID and he's awaiting the results of a second test 24 hours later. And so to see if he can pull a Nick Saban and be like, mm, didn't have it, never happened. Um, so, you, I mean, we're recording on Monday night. We can't in good faith tell you to bet either team when we, when we don't know the greatest Wisconsin quarterback since Russell Wilson, whether he'll play or not. So, um Bite your tongue, you asshole. <laughs> you Russell is Russell is held to a very high regard. Don't don't throw a one game wonder into that. Listen, I've <laughs> seen three quarters against Illinois in week one, and I'm ready to make this prediction that he'll be the greatest <laughs> Wisconsin quarterback in history. Illinois had two great linebackers back in the day. Uh, back in the day, one was Simeon Rice, and I can't remember the other one's name. But I mean, that's Percy a, Harvin. That, if you can if you can put up points on Illinois, then you must be good. That's all I got to add. Sorry. Lovey Smith, um, he wears the the neck gator mask, and so the whole beard is now hidden. I feel like it's it's almost like he's a different coach. It's taken away his power like Samson. Oh God. No. Okay. Uh we're moving on. Wisconsin, Tom, let, me, let me let me say if I was a Wisconsin fan, I'd be um very happy right now. They looked really good. And not just because it was Illinois. True. All right. I'm going to give you two Big Ten games. You got to pick them both. Indiana minus 12 at Rutgers. Northwestern plus two and a half at Iowa. What do you like out of those two games? Uh, I love Northwestern. They looked great and uh, Iowa looked bad. Um, Iowa's missing some guys from opting out, you know, self uh, exile from COVID situation. The program's in a little bit of a turmoil. Kirk, uh, all lives matter. Ferentz doesn't seem to have a hold on the team at the moment. And, uh, yeah, Ryan, a lot of turmoil. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a messed up season. Yeah, not Iowa. a little, a lot. Yeah. Uh, avoid Iowa until further notice, but I actually, uh, um, and especially like, you know, you know how betters are. They still think, you know, Iowa 
Northwestern. I uh, I think we can get this at three, so let's hold out. Okay, good. Northwestern's the third best team in the Big Ten. This is an opportunity to fade Iowa all season. They might go winless. Love this spot. Bolt. Yeah, I I mean, you you cannot pick Iowa until further notice. Um, And then if if Ferentz isn't going to get fired for all this shit going on, then the players are going to take it upon themselves to just tank the season. They're like, screw it. If they're not going to do the right thing and they're just going to let this guy skate, we'll just take the freaking L's and see if we can get the guy canned for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that is why you can't bet them, but in this particular case, I mean, Northwestern looked great. They have a great quarterback. Um, their quarterback play was just not good last year and it, it took them from their normal, like mediocre or slightly above average, uh, position down to pretty bad. And now they've got a, a really good quarterback and they seem to be back to above average. So, um, the rise and fall of Northwestern continues, uh, in the other game, I feel like Indiana's prime for a letdown, um, but there's no way I'm chopping wood with Shiano after one week. So uh, stay away, I guess. Hmm. You like the Hoosiers? Okay. All right. No, I don't like anything to do with either of that of, of, of all that. I'm not, I'm not wagering any money on, on, on any Shiano involved stuff. Pretending like it's not real. I'm looking the other way. I will not look the other way on this one. Texas at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, number sixth rank, uh, laying three and, a half, three and a half at home, total 58 and a half. Normally, this is a snap over, but Oklahoma State is uh, self-proclaiming to have the best defense in the country. All the players are kind of uh, rallying, saying best defense in the country, best defense. They've given up 51 points in five games. Um Texas, like I said, I don't trust them. I like them, but I don't trust them. I can't take the three and a half. I don't like the total. This is going to kill me, but I, I'm going to have to stay away from this game. Anyone got any feelers? It's hard. It's I, tough. Oklahoma State did not – I mean, they didn't really impress me in their win against Iowa State, but they kind of did because they beat them. Uh, I guess because I held Iowa State a little bit higher in my mind. Uh, so I guess it's an impressive win, but they just weren't impressive doing it, if that makes any sense. That's exactly how I feel in the limited um, times I've caught Oklahoma State football this year. I, the wins and what they've done and where they're ranked is impressive, but they haven't looked impressive on the field exactly like you said. And maybe it is a defensive team, which would be so foreign to see that, that it, our brains haven't really processed it. So I need, uh, I need like three more weeks of seeing this to see if that's what it is or if it's just an anomaly, but this is their year. I mean, it's wide open for them. Finally, after like, it's their, it's their year until their best player gets deported. Chubba Hubbard going back to Canada he doesn't want any part of this shit. Canada, Canada won't. Someone's no other country will take us. No, people. <laughs> crazy down there. No one from America is allowed to go to any other countries. Canada won't have him. How did he get back? Did he stay there during summer school? I, What's going on? Can't comment on it. 
Mike Gundy is going to call OAN and they're going to look at, look into it a little bit, but don't worry. All right, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to move on here. We're going to go to Alabama and straighten everybody out. Mississippi state at Alabama, Alabama minus 31 total of 64. Feel really bad for Mr. Waddle. I mean, that, that's just a horrible injury for a super fast guy. He was a freak and probably, I think if there's a Heisman vote right now, he wins it. So um, I think that's a big loss for Alabama. And I think that is too much for them to overcome. And I, I don't think they're going to win the national title really because of that. I don't think that they're elite enough on defense to hold down Clemson or, or, or Ohio State. I think without him, their offense isn't going to be the same. And I think um, I think that's an unfortunate break for Alabama. So I feel really bad for them and him. Uh, that being said, Mississippi State is really bad. They're all you know they're going to look back on this year beating LSU, and that's going to what they're going to remember. But they're going to finish like two and seven or something. So lay the thirty-one. Kind of ironic that after Mike Leach spoke about purge, a purge on the roster, he has to go play at Tuscaloosa on Halloween. Oh God! Kind of, kind of fitting for that. I think Alabama. I think Saban's going to purge them himself. He's going to pull a Shane Sung, and here's where Mississippi State does not win a game the rest of the year. Yeah. Saban, Saban's going to welcome Leach into the league by Shane Sungian, and it's done. This their season's over. Shang Tsung, he's going to purge his soul. And by the way, I mean, I don't know how this will play out, but as Leach is, you know, whatever, one in 10, watch out because uh, the Oregon Ducks will be starting their season soon with Joel Moorhead back at OC, and they're going to be the, the cream of the crop in the, in the Pac-12. My man was wronged, even though I, love, I do love Mike Leach, but Joe Moorhead <coughs> is also a great coach, and he uh, never had a chance there, so. No, he was not SEC enough. Here's our SEC hit for you. Missouri at Florida. Florida minus 13. Total 62.5. Feels like we haven't seen Florida in three months, but it's only been two weeks. Um, I don't think the, the they're going to pack the swamp with 90,000 quite yet. So Mullen's going to have to wait on that. I like Florida. Um, it's been proven they can score some points. And Missouri... I don't think they're any good as always. So it's under two touchdowns. That seems fine to me. I think Florida wins by about 21 to 24. Are, are we positive? Yeah, that game Mullen, in the swamp, which, are, are we sure he's clear of COVID? It seems to me like a lot of these guys are just like self-diagnosing when they feel better and when they're ready to return to action. He's just yeah. like, I'm, yes. I'm good. I'd like to see a yes, test. No problems. The, <laughs> there's nothing to talk I don't about. I've got to show you no test results. These guys are state employees. They're well-paid state employees. They're, they're honest guys. Um, I was watching that video that was circulating of uh, Florida Gators fans singing Tom Petty, and I, th- I think that's my new favorite college football tradition, certainly of the last couple of years. I feel like it's up there. Um, it's got to be a top five thing already in all college football. It's pretty amazing. I, I definitely watched the video a couple of times. Me too. I'll it's take good. that. This might be a bold prediction, <laughs> but I'll take that over the Wisconsin jump around any day. Oh, yes. wow, wow. I agree. 
Very bold. That's very true. Joe Brown's terrible. That's long tree retired forever. I got I the uh, I got this single tape of jump around and I brought it into our sixth grade class and we had a party one day and I remember we just played it on a loop over and over while a bunch of our sixth graders like ate cupcakes and then just ran around like wild kids. Can't do that on Zoom. I Zoom-ish. remember casinos. Those are good. <clears throat> All right, Tom, I'm going to pick one more game for you. I'm going to give you a special late night pick and then we're going to talk about the game of the week. Uh, or then you can add anything else I skipped, which you would like. But I'm going to just real quick give you a quick late night fun one for you. Nevada at UNLV. Nevada laying 14. The new coach at UNLV is Marcus Arroyo, the former Oregon offensive coordinator. So they played San Diego State last week. So I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this game. I want to see what's going on here. We got Hoke back coaching for San Diego State. We got Marcus Arroyo. We should have some points here, right? Wrong. UNLV is the maybe the worst college football team I've ever seen. And that's really saying something. I'm not exaggerating. They had like a three and out on like nine possessions in a row. They can't even function. Nevada's going to beat them by like 35. Um, lay the 14. Absolute woodshed. Arroyo's like starting over with all freshmen. and they, they It's like high school football. It's unbelievable. I, I, no one's going to watch this game or bet it. But if you're looking for a little fun in a teaser or a parlay, trust me on this one, pick Nevada. And I'm sure no one has anything else to add on that because I'm the only nutbag that watches that game. So here we go. Game of the week, Ohio State at Penn State. Ohio State up to 13 now. That opened at 8. Jesus Christ. Total 64 and a half. I loved it at 8. My God. Tom, go ahead. There's there's no whiteout because of COVID, and that's, you know, I think that was in people's minds the last few years at Penn State you know, whatever, 2018, 2016, 2016, they won. 2018 was close. Penn State's played them really tough the last four years. Even last year with Clifford getting injured and Will Levis had to come in and Penn State made a little comeback and they only lost by 11 in a game that they really should have been dominated. So uh, they've really played close, even though they can't really win. They've played close against Ohio State. Um but I think we kind of hinted at it earlier, like these are not the same teams exactly. And Penn State seems to, I mean, I, I want to hear your guys' impressions on Sean Clifford, who, by the way, won player of the game against Indiana in a premature selection. Um, <laughs> yeah, Penn State looks stagnant uh, and Ohio State looks like they've uh, leapt to another level. And so I, I think, I mean, you got to be crazy to go against Ohio State in this spot as much as it pains me. I don't think, I don't think they'll beat them by 50, but I think they'll beat them by 20. I think you're right, Tom. Um, I think you hit it exactly. If this was a regular home game with 105,000 pencil tucky, alcoholic, turkey sandwich holding, how, fans how dare there. you eating some Altoona style pizza with a tomato and just craft oh. singles on it. By the For way, no, I should was, mention that, that, um, that, was, that, that was good. Pr- 
United States President and Home Alone 2 star Donald Trump is holding a, a rally in Martinsburg as we record this. So there might not even be a game. Like everyone in central Pennsylvania might have COVID within three days. So this one might be off the board soon too. Mm, a little Altoona pizza for the cure while you're resting up at home. Uh, <laughs> look, these are two teams that have hatred for each other that don't like each other. And when one team's much better than the other and there's no fans and you get a chance to whack them, Ohio state's going to kill them. I mean, Justin Fields had one incompletion against Nebraska. He had like two incompletions against Clemson. And one was the pick at the end of the game where his wide receiver ran the wrong route. He's going to torch Penn state. They're going to score all the time. Penn State's going to feel very uh, low after last week. Penn State's defense started great. They only gave up 100 yards in the first three quarters against Indiana and then fell apart in the fourth quarter in overtime. Ohio State over 19 and a half first half. I really like a lot. Uh, I don't see how they don't get to 20 in the first half. So um, I think this is a blowout, unfortunately, and Penn State's 0-2. And 2020 continues to be a, a winner year. I think, unfortunately, Tom, everything you said was exactly right. I think the Buckeyes double them up, 48-24. All right, 24 against, 24 against that Ohio State D would be pretty good. Um, well, like 14 of that's in the last, like, six minutes. But, that, you know, whatever. It's a college special. It's I, mean, special I mean, there's, there's again – not to, not to harp on it, but this should have been like a week eight game where Penn State was seven and oh, Ohio State was seven and oh, they were ranked number two and number five, respectively. And Micah Parsons was crushing people's skulls in, and uh, it should have been a much different game. And, and 110,000 people in all white were screaming so loud that Justin Fields couldn't make a call. And then you're looking at like a six point game, but. Unfortunately, you know, I, you know, I'll still be rooting for him, but betting there's no way in hell I would take the points with this Penn State team. You'd you'd have to and give me 21 and a half to even think about it. You are a Penn State fan, Tom, and this is coming from you. So, uh we have a line here on take the points. You know, sometimes you got to put money on your team and it's just business. So, it's going to be just business for me this Saturday. And I don't blame you. Um, I mean, I don't think a blowout is guaranteed. I think Penn state's got a great defense. They've got a game under their belt. And if they can play really well, um, they can, you know, make it ugly and lower scoring, but I still don't see how they can stop Justin Fields for four quarters. So, um, you know, better luck next year. Well, Tom, that concludes uh, the week, whatever, eight, nine, ten, who knows? Week two, Big Ten lines. I have uh, – oh, you're just done with the Big Ten? Do you guys have more you want to no, do? No, right, I, I no, that's – I got a couple I got a couple other thoughts. Go right um, North Carolina, after a, a shaky week against Florida State a couple weeks ago, bounced back uh, and just dominated their in-state rivals last week and – you know, they're a good team who basically had a hiccup and now they're um, laying less than a touchdown against a Virginia team. That's one and four. I like that one. UNC. Oh, that's very good, Tom. Um, a good eye. 
And then uh, this is a question for you guys because I don't really watch the Big 12 that much, but um, it appears that um, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, there might be some opportunity with a 14 and a half point line and a 68 point over under. I, I have no feel for Texas Tech. They no. are so bipolar. I just don't know which team's going to show up offensively for them week to week. And I just hate Oklahoma. I'm just I'm done betting. I'm done watching them. Yeah. Let me know when Spencer Rattler's the hell out of there, so I can just brag on take the points. All right. Then my my last question for you guys, mostly for you, Ryan, mostly is. Um, Mountain West, I mean, you called it BYU and Boise State seem to be your two far and away best teams. So, um, you know, BYU's got 28 and a half points, which is a tough one this week, even though they look great. But uh, Boise only laying a couple touchdowns at Air Force. What do we think? Well, Air Force is one of, is an option team. So that, that line's going to be a little bit skewed because that's just a super hard team to, to prepare for an option team. So in the snow option game, just bet the under in the Boise Air Force game, like definitely bet the under. <clears throat> um, and then, yeah, BYU just looks awesome. Wilson's just, he's just dropping dimes left and right. That dude just gets it done. He's so fun to watch. And, uh, you know, they're my Tinder team from week one. I said they were going to run the table, and I'm sticking with it all the way through the year. As I was watching I BYU. BYU-Cincinnati game. That's the ultimate dream because neither of them are going to make the playoff. They're going to get screwed. But give me give me a great bowl game of BYU and Cincinnati. I think that game would be so good to watch Wilson against that defense. That would be good. I will make a bold uh, statement after watching, you know, probably portions of three different BYU games. They have uh, one of, if not the best receiving core in the country. It's not just Wilson. Um, obviously, I mean, Alabama with Waddle and stuff is better, but um, I think they're certainly top five. Uh, Gunnar Romney, who has like the greatest name in all college football, especially for a Utah person, he is really good. And then that other guy, Milne, he was the leading receiver for a couple weeks while Romney was out. He's also great. They got a tight end. Uh, they're really loaded. They, they recruit really, really well to fit their personnel. They, they know they can't go out and just get the best of the best. So they like very specifically target the guys that fit their system and their style well. And uh, hats off. BYU's been really, really good. I mean, when your name's Gunnar Romney, you, you can only go to BYU or Utah. So they did a good job out recruiting the youths. That's all I yes. got for this week, fellas. Yeah, I'll recruit the youths for Wilson. Um, I would like to add something. Um, it has nothing to do with the lines this week, but I would like to congratulate the Pitt Panthers on having yet another quarterback in the NFL. Are you aware of this? They're quarterback you. Let me explain, Tom. I, I don't know Andy who you're Dalton, talking about. Andy Dalton on the Cowboys got got really hit hard yesterday. He got concussed. They put in some guy I've never heard of. I can't even think of his name right now. Danucci. That's it. Danucci. Danucci. That guy's a starting NFL quarterback? That's right, Tom. He was Nate Peterman's backup at Pitt. Oh, I, oh you he don't have to his... tell me about Danucci. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Peterman. Danucci. 
Quarterback you, baby. Put some fries on it's that fucking sandwich. This is, he's starting for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> this is insane. The Dallas Cowboys. That's how we do it in the state of Pennsylvania. That's how we do it at the school <laughs> I don't like. So if you're the Cowboys, who do you start a quarterback this week? Do you go with him, Danucci? Do you go do you go with former SMU stiff Garrett Gilbert? Or do you convince <laughs> Kellen Moore? Or do you yes. convince Kellen Moore yes. to step down as offensive coordinator and jump in and suit be a quarterback? up? Ten day contract, suit up, Kellen. You know the plays. You can just call him from the field. I feel like like the Cowboys should apply for a waiver to have the first player coach and be like, listen, he's the best option we have by far. PPE waiver. It's part of the CARES P- Act, right? We got a CARES Act waiver. Get Kellen Moore in there starting it up. If he starts with the Cowboys, they might win the division. <laughs> They're only half game out as it is. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, Dan, anyway, this is I'd the like smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even with Dak, even with Dak in there hobbling around a little bit, and Andy Dalton washed up, I feel like Moore is still your best option. He's fine. He's fine. So yeah, Pitt Panthers, yet another fucking quarterback. It's quarterback, just, you. Each of these two assholes this year are apparently going to go with the pro. The pros, Yellen and Pickett, will both go somehow. Unbelievable. What else I got to add this year, this week? Um, nothing else for college football. It was kind of a quietish college football weekend. We're kind of in the middle right now. The excitement of, of you know your conference starting is starting to wane a little bit over here. We're looking forward to the Pac-12. When do they start? The seventh, I two believe. Weeks? Or- two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Like the ninth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm excited for the Pac-12. You know. I forgot about some things like, you know, like um, you mentioned Joe Moorhead at Oregon. Like who's the new coach at Washington state? I mean, it wasn't, a, it was the Nick Rolovich the, from Hawaii. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hawaii's coach. I knew Nick, it was some kind of running gun Nick. type guy. So he, he's like super fun and like a really like a total character too. So exciting. Like he's the perfect replacement for Leach. That was the best possible hire for like, they could have hired him. So, yeah, um, who's the Washington coach now that Peterson's gone? Who's the assistant? Assistant, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they didn't bring a new name. But, yeah, so college football upcoming next month's looking really good. This is the last episode of October. We're just getting warmed up. November's going to be full force this year. A lot of action. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for these new coaches. I still, you know, I don't even know who they, who USC has hired yet to replace Clay Helton. Oh, wait. <laughs> Hmm. He might be on the tarmac report. He he's the only way that the tarmac report can come back. Like if he's up 35-10 week one and they lose, get ready for a plane sound coming during the intro of week. Oh god. So we Ryan's just gonna cut you off. Let's let me let me provide a couple minutes of background, then we can call it a day. Uh Ryan last year, if uh, people haven't heard it, did a thing called the tarmac report, which was Kind of what it sounds like if you're a college football fan, a report of the coaches most likely to be left on the tarmac that week, a la Mr. Kiffin. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a weekly thing, but we decided not to do it because, you know, in this economy with the struggles of the airlines, it would be unfair, right? 
I feel like, you know, how some of these shows like parks and rec have done like the one-off special zoom reunion show. We will do, if Clay Helton gets fired, we will do a one-off special tarmac reunion. Or if he blows a 24 point lead, <laughs> we might bring in special yeah, guests. Right. Like I think they did the princess bride where they brought in like all other celebrities who weren't even in the movie to do a table read. Pretty good. Like we'll call other people who just have like spent a lot of time on tarmacs. We'll get like a baggage handler from the airport. Other people that have spent time on tarmacs. I well, it'd just be like, yeah, what's, what's the uh, asphalt composition down there. We're really trying to get into the game. The tarmac report will be an actual tarmac report. Yes. We're going to report on the tarmac of each airport, the top 10 in the country. Who's got the best tarmacs. I'll go to, I will go to Bradley airport and we'll do a live remote. Perfect. Bradley. Um, I saw the new Borat movie. Pretty good. Considering it's been 15 years. Unbelievable. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to get, I'm going to get to it this week. Yeah. It starts off, you know, it starts off the first, I don't know, 20 minutes and you're like, all right, this is just going to be like a um, slightly worse copy of the first Borat movie. And then it it gets more interesting as we go along. And uh, he just really did a nice job. It actually is like, it's got some heart too. It does. It's amazing. I was was touched at the end. So was I. The whole th- it's so genius. It, it's so perfect. I mean, there's nothing to really say. Like, I, I mean, it's like I'm not a guy who watches movies more, more than once a lot, unless it's like from the '90s. Like new movies, never. You've but mentioned one, PCU actually, the last three weeks of this podcast. Yeah, that's fine. But like, you know, I, I might actually watch this one again in a couple of days just so I can hear all the lines because there's so many. I was laughing hard during some of them, but I missed some of the fucking lines for sure. So. Maybe we'll talk about it next week or a week, to week or a couple weeks from now. In yeah, detail. we don't want to spoil it for people, but yeah, t- it gets the full <laughs> take the points recommendation. Borat two. Yeah, two thumbs up. Yank Shemesh. Anything else, fellas? Jane Queen. <clears throat> no, let's wrap it up. All right, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with a possible election night special, or maybe not. Who the hell knows? It'll be in your feed at some point. Pac-12 after dark specials definitely happening that's next the f- week. Oh, yeah, that's next week. Oh, return of the Pac-12, baby. The biggest thing to happen next week. Get ready. See you then. Save the best for last. Good night, America. Take the point. Take the point. Take the point. Take Dan, you must be aware that there have been like six at least legitimate UFO sightings, including by the military in the last year. And everyone's just like, we, we don't have time for that, aliens. Come back. Come back 2022. If all these alien uh, sightings would have happened in 1994, 
this would be epic. There'd be people in the streets, there'd be panic, but because of how crazy the rest of the world is, no one even cares. There's aliens in New Jersey. They're like, oh, no, that's just a blip. Don't worry about it. It wasn't a blip. Uh, there's there, there's, all, <laughs> there's all kinds of other stuff going on. You're, you're totally right, Tom. No one has time for aliens right now. And, and I think that's the real problem with 2020. Unless they land and deboard the ship, <laughs> then no one gives a shit. Like, it's just, they have no time for this. Can they make a TikTok video out of the alien? Then it's going to be big news. 